Welcome to FNT Bible Talk, where we're going through the Bible and showcasing God's glory through His unified story. I'm your host, Felix Birch. On this episode, we'll be talking about Bible reading tips for the everyday Christian. Let's jump in. All right, episode one of FNT Bible Talk. Um, today's episode, what we want to cover is we really just want to give uh, some simple tips for us as, as readers of the Bible. And, and, and what I titled this episode was Bible Reading Tips for the Everyday Christian. And it is my heart's desire and our heart's desire that through this episode, we would really just give some practical tips to our readers um, who are going to get ready to launch into the Bible this year in a greater way. I pray that these tips would be tips that you could use to really gain a lot and to use to uh, dig into God's Word and really pull out some wonderful jewels and treasures as you read this year. And so we just want to start off with some very practical, simple tips to help you. So with that being said, we're just going to jump right on in. And I'll start with tip number one. So tip number one is this. Read prayerfully. And I cannot stress this point enough. And let me explain why. I'll read you 1 Corinthians 2, 10-16, and I'll tell you. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so what this passage is really telling us, or the point of this passage, is that you and I cannot understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit's help. And the truth is that we are just utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit to grasp what the Word of God is telling us in our readings. And so when we come to the Word of God, we must come in a way that is very prayerful, an attitude where we, we come to the Word of God, not just thinking, oh, I can understand everything, but because the Scripture clearly tells us that we cannot, that natural mind is not going to be to understand the things of God. But we come and, and when we read, we come prayerfully asking the Holy Spirit, illuminate my mind, help me to see the treasures of the Word, help me to understand what you're saying, let all truth that you desire to come out, come out and, and show me these things, uh, Holy Spirit. And so we want to read prayerfully. And I would say that even as we begin our reading each day, we want to start our readings off with prayer. But even as you move through your reading, I pray that you would continue to pray throughout your reading. And I promise you, you'll benefit so much from this. So this is why prayer is absolutely essential to our reading. And we have to understand that it's not just a symbolic gesture or it's not just some formality we do, but it is foundational to understanding the mind of God. So that as we go through this reading plan this year, Tip number one is what we would say is that when you read this year, read prayerfully. Bathe your, your reading times in prayer before the Lord. Tip number two is this, read in faith. Let me read you Numbers twenty three nineteen. It says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? And what the scripture is really telling us is that God is not a liar. When God says something, he means something. And so how does this correlate to reading and faith? Well, I say it like this. We must come to the Bible. And if we're going to study the Bible as the very words of God, then we need to believe what it says. We need to read the Bible with absolute faith 
and we need to trust the author of the Bible, God himself. We can't come to the Bible doubting and just thinking, oh, this is just some book that might be true, might not be true. But as we read the Bible this year, we want to read fully in faith, knowing that what God's word says, it is true. Reason being is that you're going to come across promises from God this year in your reading. And you've got to read in faith. And I've got to read in faith that as I read those promises, I realize those are true and I receive those promises. You, we, we even come across commands that Christ or uh, God may give in other parts of the Bible. And we have to read in faith saying those commands are true. And if those commands are true, I must obey them and walk in obedience. So we want to read in faith because God's word is true. Because God says he is not a liar. So let's read the Bible in faith as we read this year. Tip number three is this. Read observantly. Let me read you Psalm 119, verse 9 through 16. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. And I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And why I say tip number three is to read observantly, and I put this scripture with this, is because if the psalmist read the scripture in a way that most people read the scripture, which is just to complete a task for the day, he would not be able to say, I delight in your statutes. I will not forget your words. Or I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your, on your ways or your words. Or as the psalmist himself would even say, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. If the psalmist just simply went through the Bible and said, well, I'm going to do a reading plan and I'm going to start reading. And as I read, I'm just going to check it off for the day and move on. And that's how his approach with the Bible was. Then he would not be able to say all these wonderful things like, I'm going to walk pure because of the word of God. But instead what he said, he meditated on it. He thought about it. He, he, he prayed through it. He observed the Bible and he observed the commands of the Lord. And we too must also do that. We must come to the Bible not as, we, we, we cannot come to the Bible in a way where we're just trying to rush to complete a task. But we must come to the Bible in a way where we read it as a gold miner who's searching for gold in the deepest parts of the mountain. Or as a detective who is looking for every piece of evidence to solve the case that he's working on. So we must come when we're reading the Bible in a way where we observe. And what I mean by that is look for the details. Notice the small things. Don't just skim over everything and just rush past it, but realize that everything in the Scripture was in there for a reason. And so as you read, just observe what's going on. Observe the characters. Observe the setting. Observe the statements that are made. And just be observant. It is so important that we take our time with the Word and not just complete it and say we're done and we've done it for the day and think we please God. But no, we observe it because we want to, and we study it and we live it and we go after it because we want to know God and we want to see everything He has to tell us about Himself in the Word. So that's tip number three. Tip number four is read to be transformed. Let me read to you James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so I say this to us, read to be transformed, is that we must understand the book is the Bible is not just a book, and it's definitely not a book that's given to us just to be agreed with. 
but it is a book that we are meant to obey, right? The Bible has not come to us in a way where, hey, I agreed with it, great. But the Bible comes to us saying, it is, we are to obey God's Word. We are to obey what it says. You know, the hardest passages that we, to understand aren't the ones that we don't understand. The hardest passages are the ones we do understand, but we just don't obey. And the truth is, is that's because we haven't allowed God's Word to transform us. And so we have to come to God's Word with the attitude, God, I'm reading your Word to be transformed. Jesus said in John 17 to his disciples that the Word of God cleansed them. And we too must come to God's Word to be cleansed by it, to be changed by it, to be molded by it. So we must have come to the Bible in an expectation that I'm going to be transformed as I read the Word of God today. I often hear people say, um, while they come out of a Bible study or sermon, that, man, that was a great Bible study, or that was a good sermon. But what do they actually mean by that? Does it mean that they learned something or just felt convicted at points? Or do they say this because their lives were actually changed? I believe that all good Bible reading leads to transformation. Let me say that one more time for you. All good Bible reading leads to transformation. Now, I know that the transformation of our life, it takes time. The Holy Spirit is doing that within us, and He's working that about. But as we read the Bible, that we must read it because we are being transformed by it. You know, it is something that is necessary for our lives, and it will have a work in us. And it is the Spirit who's doing, who's using the Word of God in our lives to make us more and more like Jesus. And so all the more why we should pray is that the Holy Spirit would, we are dependent upon Him, and that we would come to the Holy Spirit saying, Help me to be transformed through the Word. So tip number four, read to be transformed. Or in another word, way to put it, read to be obedient. Don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. Be, or be one who hears the Word of God and says, I'm going to let it transform my life and go and do what God tells me to do. Tip number five is this, read in context. And I'll explain context like this in a simple way. So, Let's pretend that you you are a fan of a movie series that has three three uh, movies in it in this trilogy, and uh, you have invited a friend over to watch it with you. But you've invited the friend over to start on on the third movie, and so in the third movie, they begin watching it. And in the very beginning of the movie, the villain uh, appears like he's a good guy. He's doing a lot of good things, and he's helping people out. And then all of a sudden, the main character kills the villain. And your friend's like, why would they kill this, this guy? He, he seems good. And, and for him, all he saw was that the villain acted really good in the beginning of the third movie. But the reason why he didn't understand what the, who the villain was or why the villain was bad or why the villain had to die in that part was because maybe he didn't see the first movie or the second movie where the villain was very much just doing evil acts and sorts. And so what has happened here is this person has watched the movies out of context or just saw a portion of it, and it made it look like this was a good guy. And this is taking something out of context. And the truth is we all do this. People do this every day, right? In conversations, people take people out of context. But, uh, but we must understand this, is that every text of Scripture belongs to a context. It's a key phrase. Let me say it to you again. We must understand that every text of Scripture belongs to a context. Every chapter, paragraph, sentence, and word finds meaning from its relationships to the words, sentences, paragraphs, and chapters around it. Let me break that down a little bit more for you. Basically, what I'm saying is that every word is connected to the sentence around it, and every sentence is connected to the paragraphs, and every paragraph is connected to the chapters, and so forth. Those chapters are connected to the whole book, 
and the books connected to the, the, the Testaments, the Old and New Testaments, and even that is connected to the full story of the Bible. And so we must read Scripture in context. This is where you see a lot of false doctrines or misapplication or understanding of Scripture is because Scripture is taking out of context or maybe they just like one word or two or one verse but not read all the context around it. And so as you read this year, read the Bible in context. Allow the Bible to say everything it wants to say by reading the context. Tip number six is this. Read without baggage. And I'll explain what baggage is. Um, baggage is is basically coming to the Bible with preconceived thoughts or notions or ideas. Um, and for many people, we think we might not do this, but it's easy to do this more than you realize. And this almost takes an active an active um, decision to not do it. It takes an active prayer like, God, remove all the baggage from my life as I read. And let me give you some examples of baggage. Baggage can be pride. Um, so if I come to the Bible when I'm reading and I come to it with this pride in my life, um, I'm not going to be able to receive from the Word of God as I ought to. Right? I may have read, but I didn't read without baggage. So this, this pride within my life has really stopped me from understanding or seeing or receiving or hearing from the Word of God as I ought to. And so we have to come to the Bible asking the Holy Spirit, remove this pride from my life so that I can receive what your Word says. Um, other forms of, of baggage may be people's uh, agenda they might find in there, or let me just say this, a doctrine that, that has become their agenda, where they're trying to prove that doctrine through every single scripture they can find. And it's all about that. And what they do is they yank those scriptures out of context and immediately try to prove it. Um, and that may seem like a silly thing, and some people say, they will, I wouldn't do that. But you'd be surprised how many false doctrines and teachings are based off of people trying to take Scripture to fit it, to say what they wanted to say for their own doctrines. And so don't read um, looking for an agenda to make the Bible say what you want it to say, but allow the Bible to speak as it wants to speak. Another form of baggage, and this one may not sound like a bad thing, but we have to be careful of it, is just becoming too familiar. And what I mean by that is many people will read the Scriptures and, they, and they're enjoying it, but they think they know everything they know about that passage. And so, oh, I'm familiar with it. I can just skim over it, right? Or I can move past it. And they read with this bag. It's like, oh, I'm familiar. But the Bible is so alive and fresh. It's a living word that we do not come to the Bible and say, oh, I've got it all figured. I know everything there is to know about that verse. But we come to the Bible in a way as if Lord, asking the Lord to show us and working in us, God, let me treat this word like I've never heard it before. Let it be afresh to me. Let it be rich to me. Let it be not something that I'm so familiar with that I don't think I can gain anything from it. But let it be something that I desire to know more and more, right? And so we must not come with a baggage of being super familiar, like we don't like we've read everything we know. That's not true. And and so I just these things with baggage, I would just say this is that we have to come to the Bible afresh, and not with our own thoughts. We do not want to make the Bible say what we want. Okay, we want people will do that. We don't want to do that. We want to come to the Bible and let the Bible align our thoughts and our lives to its truth. So we are not coming to the Bible with an agenda or any things or any type of assumptions, but we come in a way where we allow the Bible to speak as it desires to speak, and, to, and the truth that comes from the Bible is the truth we believe, not going at it for any other agenda. Um, tip number seven is this. Read asking questions. And this tip has really helped me in my own life, and this might be one of the most... Uh, beneficial tips you'll receive. But tip number seven is this. Ask questions, okay? And let me just throw you the questions out there. And they're simple, and that's the point. 
Here's the questions. Who, what, when, where, why, and therefore. And I realize therefore is not a question, but I'll explain that in a second. And then two more questions. What does the text say or the story say about God and how does it reveal his character and nature? And what does the text or story say about man in his condition? If you can ask these questions right here, these seven questions in that one statement of therefore, then you will be able to dig a lot into the scriptures. And actually, I want to show you what that looks like. So if you would open your Bibles to Acts 1.8, we'll actually practice this and I'll show you what it looks like. And the reason why I want to do this now is because I want you to see what it looks like that we can, that as you read in your Bible reading plan, that you can go and do it also. Okay, so let's read the scripture. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? This is a very familiar passage that we've all heard before. And praise God we have, because we're spirit-filled believers. But let's just break this down a little bit. So, the question number one question we ask, who? Who is involved and who is there? Who's the audience? Who's the speaker? This is a very important question that we can ask, because it can reveal a lot. And in this particular case, Jesus is the speaker, and the audience is his disciples. And then you can start asking questions. What do I know about the speaker? What do I know about the audience? Well, I know Jesus is the Son of God. I know that He is God. And I know that He is... I mean, he is the almighty. He is the one who holds all things together. So I should probably listen up to what he's about to say. I mean, this is a pretty important person. This is the God of the universe. And then the disciples, what do I know about them? Well, they were followers of Christ and they are, there's 11 of them and all these different details. But you can also also ask, well, they're followers of Christ and aren't, isn't that what I'm today? I'm a follower of Christ. So this statement in this verse, in a lot of ways, it really, we could see how it applies to us today also. We are disciples of Christ. So then we ask the next question, what? And what is just basically a question to summarize what we just read. So to summarize Acts 1.8, we would just say, Jesus is basically telling them that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the purpose of that is to make you witnesses in all the world. And wherever I send you, the towns and your home city, wherever it might be, the purpose of me sending you the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit is so that you can be power to be my witnesses, to make you that, right? Then we'd ask the next question, when? Um, and this is a very important question because it reveals to us a lot about the timeline of what's going on. When is this? When is Jesus making this statement? He's not making this at the beginning of his ministry. He's making this at the very end, right? He's already been resurrected. He's getting ready to ascend and go be with the Father, and His ascension is coming. And so he's, come, he's, he's saying all of this right when He's about to leave His disciples. And that has a lot of weight to it. And then we ask the next question, where? In this case, it's the Mount of Olive or the town of Bethany. And this might not reveal a whole lot for us today, but in some cases it will. Sometimes you'll read Psalms where you'll want to know, was this written in the desert? Was this written in a city? Where was this written? Um, where was where might have this taken place? Because it can mean a whole lot when you understand this author is writing about wanting to be with God and he's dwelling in a cave, right? Some of David's or understanding his suffering and he's in a cave. And so the, the question to ask where is very important. Um, and then the next question we ask is why? And this is a question you can ask again and again and again. But for this particular case, we'll just sum it down to one thing. Why is Jesus making this statement? Well, it's pretty simple. Jesus is preparing to leave and ascend to the Father. And that's what we kind of answered with the wind. And he has transferred his mission over to the disciples. And in order for them to fulfill that mission, they have to receive power. 
And so Jesus is telling them, look, I've given you the Great Commission already, and I've commissioned you with a mission, the mission that was my mission. And I'm, 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 you are going to take on this mission. But in order to do so, you cannot do it without power. So the Holy Spirit is going to come and make you that. He's going to make you what you can't be. He's going to make you witnesses of me so that you can fulfill the mission. And so it's such an important statement here. But then it, we come to the thought, or the, the last one that I would say, the therefore, what does that mean for them? What does that mean for my life today? It means this, I must be desperate for the Holy Spirit and His power in my life if I desire to fulfill and obey my Jesus' commands. That's just the truth. Is that if those disciples who needed the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for God because it was the mission that He called them on, and we are the same, we are disciples also today, the same thing, the same mission has been given to us. Don't we need the Holy Spirit also? Don't we need power also? So it should change my life where I am desperate for the Holy Spirit and for His power in my life. And that changes my prayer life. That changes the way I do things. It's the way I see things. And it causes me to cry out in prayer for the Holy Spirit to come and give me power and, and fill me and strengthen me. And then the last two questions is this. What does the text say about God? Well, I would answer it this way. He is the giver of power. Right? The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us power. And so it, it, it already kind of answers the next one. But what does the text say about man? Well, it says this. We are weak and utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God to serve God. So he's the giver of power. I'm weak and I'm utterly dependent upon him. And so it pushes me to prayer, asking and believing for the Holy Spirit to come and fill me with power so that I can be a witness and live my life out for God and Jesus in this earth. And so as you can see, just asking these questions, we were able to pull out a whole lot of information about the disciples, about who was speaking, about what was being said, when it was being said, and how it had more significance because it was right at the end of Jesus' life, and he, or him about to ascend to the Father, um, where it was, why is he even saying this, and what does it mean for me today? These are important things. And if you ask these questions every time you read passages, or passages maybe you find confusing or hard to understand, you will probably be able to find very solid truth and great jewels from the Word of God just by asking simple questions. And they're not meant to be complicated. They're meant to be simple because God's Word is not complicated. It's simple to understand, but these questions will help us do that. And then the last tip, tip number eight, is to read the Bible literally. We should look for the plain meaning of the words of Scripture. There's an old statement that is worth repeating. If the literal sense makes sense, seek no other sense. So we believe all Scripture should be viewed with a literal interpretation but we must also recognize when the authors use a figure of speech. And let me give you an example of this. John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door. Now we know Jesus wasn't literally saying he's a walking door, but he is conveying a literal truth by using a figure of speech. Let me read this to you again. Jesus is conveying a literal truth by using a figure of speech. The authors of the Bible use many forms of human communication, and figures of speech is one of them. And within that, you might see metaphors or imagery or rhetorical questions and statements. And this is something to not be afraid of. I think some people, when they read the Bible, if you say, well, this is an imagery, they immediately think, oh, that's bad. You, you, you're, you don't want to see it literal. That's not the case. Imagery can be a beautiful thing because that's a lot of what poetry is. It is to create an image or an emotion within your heart when you read poetry. That's how poetry is written. and It's a beautiful thing. And so it's not something to be afraid of, but it's something to be excited about and celebrate. And in fact, in Exodus, 
when the, the Israelites are rescued by God and redeemed out of, out of Egypt, they cross over the Red Sea, and there's two accounts given. One is more kind of facts-based, and then one's more of like a poem, like a song. And honestly, the one with the poem and the song, it creates a whole lot more joy in a way because it, 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 the way the writers write it is such a worshipful thing. And that's something to be praised. And it doesn't mean it's not literal. It's still literal truth. But it's, it's conveyed to us in a way where we can see the beauty of it, maybe some imagery that might not always see. And so I'd say this about reading the Bible. Read the Bible literally because the Bible is a literal book. It is a historical book. And it is meant to be taken as facts and as truth and as history. Though we must recognize there are moments in the Bible, and let me say that, moments in the Bible, where there are figures of speech that the authors might use. But that doesn't mean the Bible is not literal. If they're using a figure of speech, it's to convey a literal truth to us. And so we we just desire that through these tips and these eight tips that we've given, that this would really bless you and strengthen you, and that you would use maybe all of these or some of these in this in this next coming months and year um, as we work through the Bible, and that as you read, that you would just be equipped to be able to find all the wonderful jewels and treasures of God's Word and come to know God in a greater and more intimate way. And so just for me to go over them real quickly one more time, I'll summarize them for you. Tip number one is to read prayerfully. Tip number two is to read in faith. Tip number three is to read observantly. Tip number four is to read to be transformed. Tip number five is to read in context. Tip number six is to read without baggage. And tip number seven is to read asking questions. And finally, tip number eight is to read the Bible literally. I pray this would bless you. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Thanks so much for listening. For more FNT Bible Talk, be sure to subscribe and visit fntchurch.org for more information.